Greetings in Jesus name. It's my joy to be here. It's so good to be in the presence of God. And it is even more better if you're in the presence of God with the people that you love, with the people that you are praying for, with a church that you are believing with, uh, you're believing for a breakthrough for. And it is so much so much better when we know that we are in the center of God's will for our life, right? Uh, it's one thing to know that God cares for me. Another thing for you to know that, hey, I know that I am doing exactly, I am exactly, I am placed exactly in the center of his heart, his plan, his purposes for my life. And and I want to greet all of you uh, on behalf of Revive Nations, on behalf of my spiritual father, Pastor Shaiju. He sent greetings uh, for each and every one of you. And he's praying for this church this morning. And he is believing God for a breakthrough, a revival in this land, uh, through this church. And uh, I am excited for the, the ways in which God works. God's works can never be uh, calculated. It can never be put into a box and say that uh, this is how God will work or this is how God will do things. So this is what God will do. Will God uh, do what he has promised? Absolutely. But our greatest mistake sometimes is saying that if it is not how I expected it to be, then probably God is not working in my life. If it is not how I imagined it to be, then, you know, I don't think God cares for me. I don't think God loves me. That's the mistake we make. And that is why we have to come back into the word of God and we have to understand, God, what is it that you are trying to do in my life in this season? What is it that you are trying to release in my family in this particular season? What is it that you are trying to deposit into me? And I believe, and I, I believe that every Sunday that Pastor Augustine comes to minister from the word here, he brings something fresh from God's heart for each and every one of you. He brings a word that will bless your family. He brings a word that will bless your finances. He'll bring a word that may not necessarily even deal with your sickness. But when that word is released, that word has the power to take care of your sickness. Does it make sense? It doesn't have to be a teaching about healing, but the word has the power to heal. The Bible says this word, it is health to my bones. Amen. Uh, so, so come expectant every weekend when we come to receive God's word, come expectant. And, and I, although I don't get to talk to all of you, I still remember all of your faces and, and I pray for you whenever God puts it into my heart. And it's good to see you, Dr. Amit and Akansha. Uh, and uh, can we go into God's word this morning? I'm going to read almost an entire chapter if possible, if time permits. This is Second Samuel chapter 7. And uh, we're going to try and take some lessons from this particular chapter. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is King David. How many of you love King David in the Bible? Uh, amazing man of God. Not a perfect man by any standards. Not a perfect husband by any standards. Not a great father by any standards. Not even the perfect king by any standards. But he was a man that God loved and he was a man who loved God. Right? So with all his failures, with all his struggles, with all his challenges, he learned the key. He learned the key of being uh, you know, devoted to God in his heart. 
that his heart was constantly burdened for the things that burdened the heart of God. That's the, that's the definition of a man who is after God's heart. You, you know, we keep seeing and saying this statement that says, David was a man after God's heart. You know, after a while, it becomes a cliche and we don't really understand what that means. What that actually means is that he was a man who was very much concerned about what is happening in God's heart. He was bothered about things that was bothering God. He was constantly going after God. So let's read 2 Samuel chapter 7. Okay. The Bible says, when King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest, from all the surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan, the prophet, and said, and, and he said, Look, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. What is he saying? He's saying, Hey, you know what? Look at me. Look at the comfortable lifestyle I have. Look at the job that I have or look at the provisions that I have. Look at the um, you know, family that I have. But look at the ark of God. You know, in the Old Testament, God lived in a physical place in, in Israel. In a physical earthly place. Because there was a big problem uh, with man. You know, in the New Testament, you and I, we become the house of God. We are the ark of God. But in the Old Testament, there was no permanent sacrifice yet made for our sin so god couldn't live inside of us you understand what i'm saying there were certain times when the spirit of god would come upon people enable them to do something but god cannot still live in them god would still live in a holy place right that's the criteria of a house a place that will host god if you and I have to be a house, if you and I have to be a temple for God, then we have to be holy. We have to be set apart. In the Old Testament, they could not do that. But in the New Testament, because of the blood of Jesus, somebody thank God for that. Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we can experience, you and I can experience uh, uh, complete liberty in hosting God in ourselves, in our, in our lives, in our bodies, in our hearts. Amen? But these guys, they used to host God in a, in a small wooden box called the Ark of Covenant, right? Now, David, one morning, he woke up and he, it says that this was a season when he had rest from all his enemies. See, David was a man of battle, right? Even before he became king, he had to be fighting for his life. Even when it was not his battle, he went into somebody else's battle and he had to win them their battle. Like he was not even in King Saul's army when he killed Goliath, right? Even after he became an army man, he had battles to fight. Not just with the enemy, but with his own family, with his own people, you know, with his own king. He had to keep fighting battles. This was a man who had battles all his life, right? Now, look at this. Just try to imagine what is happening to David okay he's been fighting 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 from the day that God chose him he's been constantly fighting and finally he reaches this place where things are settled there's no more fight there's complete rest that's the word it's, it uses it says the Lord had given him rest from the surrounding enemies can you imagine what you and I would do if we reach a place like that what would we say Man, it's time to retire. 
it's time for me to pick up a nice house in a very you know nice place and just just i have done enough things for god i've done enough things for my country i've done enough things for you know these people now it's time for me to think about myself and that's that's what you and i will think right that's that's what that that's our greatest uh, you know go to when we are in a place of rest we would now start planning for how to you know just enjoy our life you know and i think many people make this mistake and many people do this that when they are in this season of rest when they are in that season of prosperity they forget god and they begin to trust in their own comfort and they begin to trust in their own wealth and they trust in their own benefits and they trust in their own convenience and that is when the biggest problem happens that is when the biggest downfall happens and instead the bible says this about david that when david reached that place where he was comfortable instead of putting his feet up and relaxing he said he began to he, he immediately summoned nathan and he said hey you know what look at this there is something that is disturbing me come on david what could have been that one thing that would disturb you right now your family is in order your ministry is in order your finances are in order your business is in order there's no enemies fighting you right now what would be that one thing that is disturbing you right now and david says hey there is something that i have been constantly thinking that is the fact that i am more comfortable than the presence of god is that my, I, i live in this nice cedar house while the presence of god lives in a tent this doesn't make sense i want the presence of god to get more priority than i would get i would want god's needs to be more priority than my needs i would want god to be more comfortable in my in my home in my city in my nation then i am comfortable in my city in my nation and in my home i want god to feel at home i want god to be celebrated i want god to have a place of priority come on somebody look at look at david's desire look at how the the level of things that is disturbing him what is it that disturbs you and i when when we are blessed hardly anything or you know according to our our comfort level you know like for example when you didn't have a house to stay what would usually disturb you is the fact that you didn't have a house to stay but when you did have a house to stay what disturbs you is the mosquitoes that are coming into the house or you know then you're not thankful about the house that god has given you you know then we then we are we are cribbing about the mosquitoes that are coming in we are cribbing about the you know more finer details why is this fan here this is not the center of this room you know it should have been in the center of this room we are cribbing about the more finer details right and and we keep looking for things that will make us a little more comfortable that that will make me look a little more better but david was somebody who was saying hey i am i am i am way more comfortable than i deserve to be but there is somebody who deserves to be more comfortable than this and it's god and what can i do to make god comfortable in my city what can i do to host god a little better in gurgaon what can i do to 
make God feel welcome and special in India. Now, when God looks at India, God feels, man, this is the nation that I would call my home. That this is the nation that I would never want to leave. That this is the nation that I want to bless and I want to, you know, shower grace upon grace with. Can that become our burden this morning? Can that become our desire this morning? Can that be something that you and I will plan and prepare and pray for? You know, in the Old Testament, you would see this. Whenever God wanted somebody to build an ark or God wanted, like for example, you know, Noah built an ark for everybody to travel. Moses built uh, the tabernacle and the ark of covenant and everything. Nobody did because they wanted to do it. God gave them a commandment saying now build this build this build this do this in this measure and they just obeyed right god didn't give any commandment to david check this out you understand what i'm saying right see when when god told abraham you need to build an altar here he built an altar there when god told noah you need to make an ark so that you can be saved from this flood he did it when god told moses now go out of the tent and do this, this he did exactly as god had told him but look at david everything is perfectly fine but david is saying no i need to do something more to make god comfortable in my land i'm not going to wait for an instruction from a prophet that would come and tell me thus says the lord now you need to organize a conference now you need to do a meeting now you need to you know give so much money no no i am going to be constantly bothered about the things that bother god i am going to be a man who is after god's heart i'm going to be constantly thinking what can i do what can i contribute what can i give what part of me can i sacrifice so that god becomes more at home in my house so that god becomes more at home in my church so that god becomes more at home in my city so that god feels at home in my nation what can i give up what can i sacrifice what can I lay down? What can I do? And this is in a season. See, we all do this when we are in trouble. When we are in problem, we go after God. God, what can I give? What can I do to, so that you, know, you can bless me again? But David's not going to God when he's in trouble. Like I'm not saying we should not go to God when in trouble. That God is our safety. God is our refuge, right? In times of need, in times of trouble, we run to God. There's absolutely no problem with that. But when our heart is so much in alignment with God, even in seasons of rest, even in seasons when things are going all right with us, our heart will be constantly disturbed. We'll be constantly bothered. It'll be constantly burdened because we know that God has to be a little bit more comfortable than yesterday. I can't do. See, David did a lot of things. If you read in the previous few chapters, you'd see that David did a lot of things. The Ark of God was in the house of Obededum. You know, not not even Obededum in somebody else's house. For God is name, um, uh, I think Abimelech or somebody like that. His his house. And from there, David brought that house, the Ark of God out and, brought, and finally reached Obededom's house. He remained there for three months. And then from there, David brought the Ark to the city of Jerusalem, okay, where now there is a fantastic tent prepared. And day and night, people are worshipping in front of the tent. 
amazing stuff is going on okay it's not like david didn't do anything for god it's not like david never thought about the presence of god this is the first time he has been doing so many things like from the time even before he became a king even from his shepherd days he has been writing songs that will host the presence of god he has been singing unto god he has been worshiping god he has been doing everything possible to make god comfortable okay if there is one person who can like boast about what he's done for God, it's David. But look at this. Even then he's saying, now nah, I'm still not satisfied. What can I do to host God a little bit better? Come on now. Tell me, is that something that we can have as our ambition? Is it something that we can have as our desire this morning? Saying, God, I want to be that man. I want to be that woman. I want to be that son, that daughter who is constantly bothered about how to make you feel at home in my house. How to make you feel at home in my church. When you come to church every Sunday morning, right? Your question should be, God, I don't care about, I, I mean, like we have to love each other. We have to serve each other. All of that is there. But that is not why we come, right? Why do we come to church? It's not to serve each other. I mean, that is the, that's the secondary purpose. Okay? The primary purpose is to minister to God. Right? When we are in the presence of God, we have to come with a, with a perspective that says, God, I don't care about who is going to be moving around. I don't care about who is going to worship and who is not. I only care about the fact that you are going to be there. And I want to give my 100% in being able to worship you. I'm going to come prepared. I'm going, to, I'm going to attach pastor ahead of time and say, Pastor, please send me the list of songs. I'm going to ask, download the lyrics. I mean, there are people in our church who used to do that. They would download the lyrics ahead of time. Back in the day when we didn't have projection and stuff. They would download the lyrics ahead of time and put it on the WhatsApp group so that everybody can read and sing during the worship. And, and, and just be like, you know, you would in our church during our early days when we didn't have a screen and we couldn't even afford printouts. Uh, you would see if you come to a church you would see like you know in, in in catholic churches they have a book to read in our churches in our church we everybody had a phone and everybody would be looking at their phones and singing and it was a very funny sight but but what can you do to prepare yourself when you come to church and say god i want to do something that i have not done last sunday i want to take it one level higher i want to give a little bit more i want to make you a little bit because i want to be a man after your heart I'm not here to build Beacon Community Church. I'm not here to build a ministry. I'm here to build a house for you. I'm here to make you feel comfortable. Man, if you and I, if all of us can think like that. See, one King David was enough to, to turn God's heart and favor for this nation upside down. Can you imagine what will happen if all of us come to church, come to the city thinking and dreaming like that? Man, I, I just want to make God feel comfortable in my city. I want to make him feel at home. And immediately the Bible says he called prophet Nathan. You know, this is something that we learned. We learned principles from God's word, okay? He did not just out of his desire, he, he just said, oh, wow, you know, this is not good. And he didn't start building a house. He immediately called his pastor and he said, see, he's the king of the nation. He doesn't need the pastor's approval. If there is anybody in, 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 in Israel who doesn't need the pastor's or the prophet's approval, it's the king. Come on, talk to me. You know what a king is, right? 
king is not a prime minister the prime minister needs the cabinet's approval the prime minister need to be voted by people in and they can be voted out also you know in 5 years a king's not like that a king is a king and whatever the king says becomes the law of the land if he says i want to build a temple then it means i want to build it who is prophet nathan to give him advice about if he should build or not but he calls he says hey call the prophet you know many kings made this mistake king saul made this mistake there was a time when he was so nice, so growing and having victory and everything he said prophet samuel he is not keeping time he is delaying you know he was probably saul was a punctual person and samuel came late to church and he's like okay today i have to take over the church you know today i have to run the church because this man is not punctual and saul took over and and god didn't like that god said no 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 i know you are the king but you still remain under submission there was another king called king uzziah you know the bible says he went into the temple of god and he started sacrificing things that were only meant for levites it was not supposed to be but in his spiritual um, you know enthusiasm you know excitement to do something for god he went into the temple and did some things that was not in submission to his elders and leaders now that the bible says leprosy broke out on his face and his body and you know he remained in isolation so there are things that we have to do but we have to do it in submission to our leaders we have to do it in accountability we have to do it in complete uh, uh, surrendering to the order that god has placed around us in and around us uh, we cannot wake up one morning and say okay god wants to send revival in gurgaon so let me just go out and do something no do it become become accountable to one another pray about it you know uh, if if god has given you a vision bring it under submission to somebody else no matter how big the vision is no matter how small the vision is call your pastor call your elder call your leader whoever you are accountable to call that person and say hey this is what god is putting in my heart and and prophet nathan right you know prophets make mistakes come on talk to me Do you know prophet makes prophets of God can make mistakes there are some religions that say that prophets can never make mistakes but that's not what the bible says some of the best prophets in the bible they made mistakes one of the best prophets in the bible is samuel you know that samuel made mistakes no no do you know where he made mistakes he went to anoint david and he saw this guy and he said this is the anointed of the lord and he was about to anoint and god is like pulled his collar behind you know he did that for seven times made seven mistakes and finally got it right the eighth time as if he had any other option because he had exhausted all the wrong mistakes and now david was the only man left and that's how he anointed you know prophets can make mistakes pastors are not perfect pastors or ministers or leaders the guidance that they give you sometimes may not necessarily be from god and and david calls prophet nathan prophet says yes you are the you are the king i respect you this is a good desire you want to build a church let's do it go for it i'm with you i'm praying for you you know all of that but then that night the bible says in, in verse 3 uh, Uh, verse 3 Nathan replied to the king go ahead and do whatever you have in mind for the lord is with you technically that is truth right the fact that god is with david but that same night verse 4 the lord said to nathan 
That same night when he was sleeping probably or he was praying, God spoke to Nathan, God spoke to the pastor, God spoke to the prophet. Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? <laughs> so, so God is now answering David's disturbance. You know, da See, you understand this, right? God did not want to bother David with this. But because David pursued God, God said, okay, I'm going to speak to him about this. Because, see, God, this was not even David's assignment in the first place. Check this out. You understand what I'm saying, right? For example, let's say God wants to send revival in India through XYZ person, right? Let's say that that is not your assignment. Let's say that is not your calling. But if you bother about that assignment saying, oh man, I want to see revival in India. I want to pray. If you are bothered, God would say, wait, wait. Are you the one to bring revival in India? I don't think so. But because you have come after me about the revival in India, I will give you a revelation. I will tell you how to reach there. I will tell you what to do to store up towards that revival. I will tell you what to do to prepare towards that revival, even if that is not your assignment. Come on. I don't know if you get the crutz of what I'm trying to teach you this morning. And, and, and David, and, 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 and the Bible says, God told him, He's trying to explain to him, David, why are you bothered about a house? Don't be bothered about a house. I have never lived in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. I have always moved from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling. Yet no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherds of my people Israel, I have never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? He, he's telling him, hey, don't worry about my house. I've never complained about this. This is not my biggest concern right now. Don't, you know, there is a season when I will ask you to build a proper house, but now is not the season. You know, you'd see that, you know, in future God would tell him, your son Solomon, you know, will build me a house and all of that. But God is saying, don't worry about this house. God is trying to pacify David's disturbance. Can you imagine that David's disturbance is so much that God is giving him reasons to calm him down. Because God knows if God just says no, David's not going to stop. He's still going to pursue. He's still going to persevere. He's still going to go after this. So God is trying to explain to David saying, David, it's okay. I know that you have a good heart, but it's okay. Chill. Take a pill and chill. You know, don't, don't uh, freak out right now. Okay. And, and verse 8, it says, now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of Heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be a leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now, now, somebody said now. now. I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth. Right? Doesn't make sense, God. That's not what I was praying for. Come on. Was that, was that was what David was praying for? God, what can I do to become famous? Is that what David was praying for? No. What was David praying for? David was praying to see how can I make God comfortable. Right? What can I do 
to make God feel at home in my church, in my city and in my nation. What can I do to make the presence of God as comfortable as I am in my own house? You know, I'm living in a cedar house. God's house is living in a, God's living in a tent. Doesn't make sense. I need to make God. That was just burden. But God says, hey, because you thought about this, because your priorities were mine and you are not thinking about you, I am going to take priority in thinking about you. And God says, hey, this is something that you did not ask for. This is something that you did not pray for. I'm going to make you famous, David. Look at God's promises. You know, we, you and I, our problem is we are running after fame. We are running after money. We are running after increase. We are running after blessing. But here is David saying, I don't care about any of this. I care about building God a house. But as he is trying to build God a house, God says, it's not even your job. Somebody else will do it. But just because you thought about this, he didn't even do anything. See, it doesn't even say that he told prophet Nathan, I want to build a house. Nothing. The only thing he told Nathan is, I'm living in this house. God's living in this in a tent. He didn't even say, I plan to build or I have saved up. Nothing like that. He just shared his disturbance, right? God says, that's enough. That thought is enough for me to look down on you and, and bless you and, and favor you and, and take you to greater levels. And, and he says, I am going to make you famous. David, you were a shepherd boy, but now you're going to be famous. There are going to be airports named after you. There are going to be cities named after you. The generations later, Jesus will be known as the son of David. You are going to become famous, David, because of this one act that you made. Now, I'm telling you, God is not a transactional God. But when you surrender yourself for God's purposes, I'm telling you, he is not a debtor to anybody. He is not a debtor to anybody and he will make sure to repay you hundred times more than what you would want to give to him. What you, what you would want to do for him. Here is David trying to build a house for God and God says, no, I'm going to make you famous. It's not about me, but it's about you, David. I'm going to make you famous beyond your wildest imagination. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm prophesying over you. I'm prophesying over your desire to serve in this house. I'm prophesying over your desire to give for God. I'm prophesying over your sacrifices that you've made in, in hosting God, in making God feel comfortable here in this church, in this city, and in this nation. And God is saying, I am going to make you famous. I'm going to make you famous. Not for your sake, but for my fame, but for my glory, but for my name. It says, now I'll make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth. Verse 10. And it says, and I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they live, where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they have done in the past, starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. The second promise, the first promise was for David, right? The second promise is for the people that he is leading, his ministry. That is his assignment, right? That is his task. He is called to be a king. That is his career. That is his ministry. Whatever you, and God is saying, hey, these people that you're leading right now, they're going to be 
blessed and they're going to be prosperous. This job that you're doing right now, man, you have no idea how much of an overflow is coming into this job. Whatever you touch, there is going to be an increase in your career. There, there, it is not possible that you can be a man who is trying to build God a house and God would say, hey, your career doesn't matter to me. It's not possible. Your career is going off the roof. It is going to have so much of promotions, so much of blessings that God is saying, hey, I am going to make sure all your enemies will be at peace with you. All your enemies are going to bring tribute to you. That's happened to King Solomon. During the days of King Solomon, all the, day, all the enemies of King David used to bring tithes to King Solomon. Do you know this happened? Taxes to King Solomon and say, hey, you know what? Here is your tribute. Just leave us at peace don't come to fight with us just leave us and then the bible says furthermore okay god's not done yet okay are you ready for this this is this is the crux of my sermon god's not done yet okay this is this is beautiful okay the bible says furthermore the lord declares that he will make a house for you <laughs> doesn't make sense god i wanted to make a house for but god says no son I am going to make a house for you. Man, this is crazy. When you build God's house, God says, I will build your house. When you says, I'm going to give to build your kingdom, God says, no, no, no. I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to make your career blessed and I'm going to build your house. I'm going to build your kingdom. I'm going to build, make you famous. I'm going to make your career great. I'm going to make your family the best family in the whole world. And he says, you'll have a dynasty of kings. A dynasty of kings. That in your lineup, you know, in your line, your descendants that you lead, man, you will be father to kings and leaders and this this is your this is going to be your inheritance verse 12 it says for when you die and are buried with your ancestors i will raise up one of your descendants your own offspring and i will make his kingdom strong he is the one who will build a house a temple for my name and i will secure his royal throne forever god says hey you know what this is not your assignment but because you asked for it but because you desired it your descendant i'm going to build you a house i'm going to build you a dynasty of kings and, and from this house will come somebody that is going to build me a house he was actually speaking about solomon but at the same time it was prophetic about jesus yeah how jesus will build the church jesus said i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it amen and, and 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 god is saying hey you build you wanted to build me a house look at what i'm going to do i'm going to build you a house and i am going to uh, uh, you know put a leader there i'm going to put a son in your womb i'm going to put a product in your womb i'm going to put a king in your womb who is going to do great and mighty things he is going to bring me glory he's going to build me a house and i will secure his royal throne forever verse 14 it says and i will be his father and he will be my son if he sins i will correct and discipline him with the rod like any father would do all your parents and all you want those who want to be 
eventually parents and uh, physical parents and spiritual parents as well can you declare this over your children and say god you be the father to my children you be the one to lead my children you know as a pastor why don't you pray god you be the shepherd of my church you be the leader of my church you be the pastor of my church yes i am placed as a father over my children yes i am placed by god as a father to zahal in israel but god says no i will be their father i will be their leader i will be their provider and i will be their uh, protector and i will be also their corrector when they make a mistake i will rebuke them when you can't watch them i will still watch over them and and god's declaring that promise you know i'm telling you this promise you know god is giving promises to D- david in the order of significance okay you would see that the least important thing he said first i'll make you famous you know all over the world i'm going to make you famous then god said hey i'm going to bless your career the business or the ministry or the calling that you have of being a king in this i'm going to make it big time you know you're going to become a great king your nation under your leadership your your nation is going to prosper and then he goes on to say now i'm going to touch your house I'm going to make you a great father. I'm going to bless your children. Now he's coming to things that us that is more important and I'm saying I'm going to be their father and they will be my son. Amen. Verse 15, but my favor will not be taken from him as I took it away from Saul whom I removed from your sight. Did you see God actually did that? You you saw how God actually Who did more sins, Saul or Solomon? No, Solomon. Saul, the only thing he did was steal some sheep and what did Solomon do? He he worshiped idols, yeah. Come on. In just I'm saying all sins are equal, but still, you know, what is a bigger sin? You know? <laughs> the first first commandment in the Bible is to love God and not to serve any idols, not to have anything else above him. Here is King Saul whatever he did he did it out of his insecurity but look at King Solomon he had no problem in life but he went and did some crazy things but he never lost the favor of God over his life isn't that crazy do you know why not nothing to do with Solomon because of the promise God made to David because of the promise that God made to his father God said hey even if he makes a mistake even if he goes crazy the there is a blessing that is upon you because of which your sons will not perish i i want to tell you this you know there are times when you will make mistakes but as long as you can remain surrendered to your spiritual leaders there is a blessing that your spiritual leaders carry because of which your your mistakes can be overlooked i'm not saying you can be uh you know you can be lazy and you can be casual and you can do whatever you want no i'm not saying that but i'm saying that you can live under a covering of grace that will make sure that even when you mess up you will not lose the favor of god over your life but there is when you go out of that covering and when you mess up then you have to fend for yourself you have to fight for yourself like saul had to he had to prove to for himself but solomon all his days he lived in sin now i'm not encouraging you to live in sin i'm not encouraging you to do what solomon did but i'm just telling you the faithfulness of god towards king david and god says 
I will not remove my favor away from your son. I'm going to show him favor all the days of his life. Why? Because you thought in your head. You didn't even build a house. You didn't even plan. No, nothing. Just you got disturbed in your peace time. When you are about to retire, you just got disturbed because God's house is in a tent. God says that small desire in your heart is enough for me to not just bless your fame, bless you with fame, not just bless you with, you know, a great kingdom, not just bless you with a great house, but I'm going to bless your children that are going to come after you. I'm going to bless them. Make sure that they will never lose favor in my sight. Man, this is crazy. Somebody said this is crazy. Because this is God's grace, right? This is, this is grace. This is God's faithfulness. When we are unfaithful to him, he still remains faithful. Man, I love God so much. It says in verse 16, Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time and your throne will be secure forever. So Nathan went back to David and told him everything the Lord had said to uh, him in this vision. What did King David do? Okay, cool. Awesome. Case closed. Is that what David do? No. When God gave him a good news. Now, what has God given him? God has given him a good news. God is saying, hey, just because you desired for it, I am going to... You know, what God is saying is, you don't even have to spend a rupee to build a house. Just the desire to build a house is equivalent to building the house. And the reward that you should have gotten for building the house, I'm going to anyway give it to you. Because you just desired to build a house. Check this out, okay? And when this news reached David, you know, if I was in David's place, I would, you know, I don't know how I, I would have reacted, but this is what David do. He just broke out into worship. You know, he was a man who was a worshiper, right? He just broke out into worship. Let's read David's response, his prayer of thanks before we finish. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, who am I, O Sovereign Lord? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I, O Sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And now, Sovereign Lord, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty. Do you deal with everyone this way, O Sovereign Lord? <laughs> He's, can you imagine how humble this man is? He's like, God, will you do this to somebody else also? Is this just me? What David doesn't know is that nobody else cares a cent about what happens to the presence of God. The only guy who cares about what happens to the presence of God is David. And God says, I'm going to, because of that heart that you have for my presence, I'm going to make sure that you stand out from everybody else. Verse uh, 20, what more can I say to you? You know what your servant is really like, sovereign Lord. Because of your promise and according to your will, you have done all these things, all these great things, and have made them known to your servant. How great are you, O sovereign Lord? There is no one like you. We have never even heard of another God like you. What other nation on earth is like your people Israel? What other nation, O God, have you redeemed from slavery to be your own people? You made a great name for yourself when you redeemed your people from Egypt. You performed awesome miracles and drew out the nations and gods that stood in their way. You made Israel your 
very own people forever and you O Lord became their God check this out what is David doing David is looking back way back way back and he's talking about Egypt and Israelites and he's saying God I'm gonna I'm gonna thank you for everything things that don't even specifically pertain to him he begins to just go back and thank God and he says God in 1900 you moved in a revival in Pune and you blessed our nation there was a, a revival in the beginning of this last century and you released were we blessed was I there no but you you moved in the ages past and I, I thank you God for what you did in the yesterdays I thank you Lord for what you have done then I thank you for what you did in somebody else's church Lord I thank you for what you did in somebody else's home I, I'm gonna worship you God and now oh Lord I am your servant verse 25 uh, it says and now I am your servant do as you have promised concerning me and my family confirm it as a promise that will last forever and may your name be honored forever so that everyone will say the lord of heaven's armies is god over israel and may the house of your servant david continue before you forever what is david's desire not that he's, no, he's still not saying god make me famous he's saying lord let your name be honored forever and let everybody know that you are the one who is watching over israel amen and then he says verse 27 oh lord of heaven's armies god of israel i have been bold enough to pray this prayer to you only because you revealed to me that to this this about me that i will build a house for you a dynasty of kings for you are god O sovereign lord your words are truth and you have promised these things and these good things to your servant and now may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you for you have spoken and when you grant a blessing to your servant O, o sovereign lord it is an eternal blessing man that's that's what i want to bless you with this morning i want to bless you with this and say god god let let there be an eternal blessing upon everybody in this place you know advin and anju they're giving their house for us to meet week after week many of you you're working hard to contribute into this house to 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 speak about this house or to share it can just be a simple gesture of inviting one person to the church inviting somebody else I'm going to speak a blessing and I'm going to say God because they are doing this let there be an eternal blessing according to God's word I'm not saying this because I want you to do more things for this house okay I'm saying this because of what you've already done what you've already given what you've already invested what you've already thought about what you've already prayed about all those desires that it didn't even become actions you know David's desire never become became an action because it was not his assignment you know you may want to you know uh, give let's say 10 million rupees to this church okay but let's say that's not your assignment okay if it's your assignment that will come to your bank account in Jesus name but if it's not your assignment it's okay but that desire that you had to give to this house God says I saw that desire and I'm gonna honor you for that desire I saw what you wanted to do for Gurgaon. I, I saw what you wanted to do for me in India and I'm going to honor that desire. I'm going to honor you for that desire. And, and God says, you know what? Lord, may it please you to bless your house. 
Lord, let, may it please you to bless Tabu and her house. Lord, may it please you to bless Pastor Augustine and his house. Lord, may it please you to bless Advin and Anju. Lord, may it please you to bless the house of Dr. Amit and Akansha. Lord, may it please you to bless Akash and his house and his future. Lord, may it please you to bless them, Lord. And for you have spoken and you, when, when you grant a blessing to your servants, O oh Lord, O oh Sovereign Lord, it is an eternal blessing. It is not a temporary blessing. It is not a momentary blessing. It is not a blessing just for namesake, but it is an eternal blessing. And right now, as this is on prophetic record, we release this word over each and every one present in this place, God, that they will prosper and their generations will prosper. And even when they make mistakes, they will prosper. Even when they fail, they will prosper. Even when they cannot have, even when they can do not have all the uh, the ability and uh, when they are unable to do the right things and, and when they are in struggle and when they are in challenges when they are in pain even in that seasons they will prosper there will not be one day in the rest of their life when they will see any lack father i just pray and i bless them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit we even pray for those people that are going to connect online with this house that are going to connect with this word with this recording at a later stage and they're going to listen to what god is releasing in this house i pray that the same blessing that the lord is releasing over this house right now will rest upon them that are going to listen to this ages later because this is promised and declared over us in second samuel chapter 7 lord we love you, Daddy. We love you. We just honor you right now. We just honor you. 